You're listening to Soul Radio. Welcome back to Homeroom, a podcast series presented by Soul. I'm your host, Benjamin Aydin. In this series, I'll be speaking with some of the people I've met on my journey as a founder and creative director of La Benjamin. These people are friends, but also have served as mentors and guides, sharing advice and experiences. In these conversations, I ask them questions on what drives them, what inspires them, but also advice on what it takes to make it in their respective industries. Today, my guest is Shane Larkin. I'll be speaking with him about his journey from the NBA to the EuroLeague, mental health, and the importance of sports in society. Shane, welcome to the show. How you been, What's man? What's up, my guy? I've been good, bro. I've been really good. Um, glad to be here. Thanks for having me. No, of course, and it's uh, an honor to have you. And you're our first and only athlete, and it's gonna be really interesting to hear. We are friends, but it's interesting to hear your journey and how you got here and where you're gonna head. So I want I would love to start with like asking you how you grew up in your family of athletes. Uh, what was it about your environment that was producing the skill level like? How did it affect you and how did everything start? Uh, well, as soon as I was born, um, you know, I was I was born into a athletic family. My father was a Hall of Fame baseball player. I know we don't really pay attention to baseball over here in Europe, but uh, it's a pretty big deal in America. Um, and he was a Hall of Famer. So um, I always was interested in sports ever since I was a young kid. So that's kind of how I got into sports in general. And then I played all the sports growing up, American football, basketball, baseball. Uh, I actually never played football, uh, like European football. Um, I wanted to, but my dad didn't let me. He wanted me to play American football so I could get tough. That was his. <laughs> that was what he said. <laughs> and then, you know, just, just playing all the sports, I, I developed a love for basketball, Um and I kind of wanted to to take my own path. My dad was a baseball player and, you know, the easy route or the the route that most people would have expected me to take would to follow in his footsteps and play baseball. Um, but I've always been a guy that kind of wanted to create my own path and never have any handouts. Uh, so I chose basketball and, um, you know, a lot of things have happened. Uh, went to college, went to the NBA, came over to Europe. So... Uh, it's been a very interesting journey, uh, and I wouldn't change any single part of it because it's all, you know, been very good to me, and it's shown me different parts of the world and kind of turned me into the person that I am today. So, uh, long journey, but I'm I'm glad with how everything has turned out. Going back a little bit, uh, what was the turning point when you decided like I'm gonna pursue this professionally? I would say I was around 14 years old. Um, I was playing American football and I was playing basketball for my high school. And um, I actually broke my ankle playing football. And <laughs> uh, I was out for about four months. And uh, it made me miss uh, about two months of the basketball season. And mm. um, that was when I really finally like understood how much I loved basketball. And um, that's that would be the time I would say I committed my life to, you know, trying to go as far as I could with this basketball thing. That was the time where, you know, I, I made the decision in my mind that I was going to give everything I had to basketball and see where it took me. 
Um, and, you know, everything from that moment on, all the sacrifices, you know, not partying in high school, not drinking, not doing any of those things that my friends were doing has, you know, helped me uh, be able to create a pretty good life for myself while playing the game that I love to do. So uh, it's all worked out pretty well. And I know that also uh, friendship is a very important thing and it's part of who you are. Uh, have have friends supported you also uh, during your professional career? Yeah. The start of it? Um, yeah. And I mean, me and you are, are good friends now. And, yeah. you know, we've met and we spoke a lot about it. And you've met some of my best friends. Um, so, you know, friends are, are everything. And uh, they definitely support me. Uh, you know, basketball is a a random game where some nights it's going to go really well for you and some nights it's not going to go as well for you. But yeah. if you have a, a good circle of people around you that are always supporting you regardless if, if you're going well or if you're not going as well, they're with you in the highs and the lows. And that makes it all worth it because the highs are that much better and the lows aren't as bad. So friendships and, you know, meeting good, genuine people with like-minded, um, you know, mentalities is, is what it's all about. And I would say, you know, being able to meet a bunch of different people through basketball, through, you know, the different things that I've been able to get into in my life. I think I've been able to, you know, surround myself with good people, including yourself. So <laughs> glad to have yeah, you. Likewise, my bro. The day we met, I already knew that our friendship is going to blossom and it's going to take, it will go to <laughs> yeah, uh, different that, that, dimensions. You yeah, feel that, it. That this instant the first energy. Yeah, 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 yeah. Definitely. <laughs> But also, like you were saying, that th sometimes it's after the matches and you, when you lose or you win or lose in games, right? Your friends are around to support you, to give you like mental strength. But I also know that you struggled from uh, mental health. So when you were struggling through anxiety early in life, you were diagnosed with OCD. How did you identify the problem and how did you cope with it? Um, well, at first, uh, I developed it very young, um, probably when I was 10, 10 or 11 years old. And at first, I didn't know um, what exactly was going on in my mind and why I couldn't control certain thoughts or why I had to do certain things in order to feel okay. And um, my mother actually has OCD as well. Mm. And she started seeing the the routines and the things that she did when she was younger, she started seeing me doing similar things. And she mm. asked if I was feeling okay and how, if I was doing anything weird or different uh, that I had done in the past. And I told her, yeah. And she was just like, okay, we're going to go see this lady. Uh, you're just going to talk to her, have a conversation. Um, and I was, I was nervous because I was like, okay, I, something has to be wrong with me. I have a problem. Um, and I, I don't know what's going on, but I went and spoke with this lady, with this therapist, and um, she asked me a bunch of questions. She did a, a couple of tests and saw how I reacted to certain things, and she diagnosed me with OCD. And um, that's kind of when I, I started to understand what was going on in my life and what mm -hmm. was forcing me to do the certain things that I was doing. And in order to start coping with it, I actually stayed going to that therapist for about uh, probably four or five months. Um, and at first I was taking a certain medicine. Um, but, uh, I'm a, I'm a very competitive guy. It just comes with my, my sport background. 
And um, when you take this medicine, it, it, it's a way to ease the anxiety. Um, mm. So it takes the edge off. But and you like athlete, the edge. Right. <laughs> as an athlete, <laughs> you need some kind of edge to be able to go out there and perform. So uh, for those couple of weeks, those whatever or month or so that I was taking that medicine, my uh, performance on the on the basketball court, uh, and when I was playing football as well, it was it was suffering, and I wasn't as well, and that only added to the anxiety. So it kind of mm-hmm. had like a reverse effect on me, and it, it kind of made everything worse. So um, my father um, challenged me uh, at a young age, at like 12, 13. He was like, "Look, you have this." Uh, disorder you have this you know these things in your mind that are going to try to control you and that are going to try to force you to to do certain things that you don't necessarily need to do Um, but I know my son I know you're bigger than this I know you're stronger than this so just challenge yourself every single day um, to get better and uh, and that's what I did Um, every day it was it was it was definitely difficult um, but one day at a time you know you just I just challenged myself to to do something a little bit less than I did the day before or control it a little bit more than I did the day before. Um, and I started seeing myself getting better. And, you know, it was over years and years. It probably took me, you know, seven, eight years to, wow. to be able to fully control uh, all of my OCD things and the things that I would do in terms of like washing my hands or washing certain things around the house or, you know, not being able to touch certain things out in public or shake people's hands and stuff like that. So it was a long process, but, um, you know, I just stayed with it. I stayed diligent and challenged myself every single day. And with the support of my family, my friends, and, you know, being able to play the game that I loved, um, you know, things just started getting better. And um, eventually I got to a place where I am today, where I pretty much have it all under control. And, you know, you can't necessarily get rid of OCD. Um, so I still have my certain things that I do or certain routines, but, um, you know, I have it under control where it doesn't affect me on a, on a day-to-day basis. So, um, you know, it's, it's definitely for anybody else that goes through the same thing or doesn't know exactly what's going on. It's definitely scary at first, but, um, you know, just know that there's always a way, uh, to get better, um, just stay positive and, you know, just think in a positive way and, and always know that there's a, a, a way to get through it. And uh, that think that's what my family and friends helped me, you know, fight for. And you know, that's what's helped me get to where I am now. I guess your weakness becomes your strength at some point. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You just exactly. need to kind of find a way to control it. And But I feel like it makes us who we are. Right, and, when you can control it as you do, Rao, it becomes very powerful. You know, you learn a lot of lessons that, you know, it's not, the main goal is to, to learn how to control the OCD, but along the along the journey of learning how to control it, you know, you learn so many different things about yourself. And uh, just, I feel like my journey and my battle with OCD has made me more, um, I would say more of a, a well-rounded person. I can see things from many different aspects and, um, I, I, you know, when I first figured out I had a disorder, quote unquote, it was one of the scariest days of my life because you never want to hear that. But no, uh, sitting here now, you know, 15, 16 years later, I would think that, like you said, it, it's definitely one of my strengths now and it's helped me, 
I think become more of a, a open person, a better person to to different things, not to necessarily judge based on what you hear, and actually listen and understand from somebody's perspective, so that you can fully, you know, understand where they're coming from or what they're going through. So, I guess we are all like generalizing, Shane. Like we're right. like, oh, well, we go on Google, read what's what right. it's about, right. and then you exactly. get scared like crazy. Exactly. 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 And we're all different, and the yep. way it is on us is also different. So yep. we need it's a journey to discover. But uh, how do you deal and scope with like high pressure? Does it uh, still affect you? Does it create uh, different levels of anxieties? Um, I mean, not necessarily. I would say that, and like you just said, you literally just said it perfectly. Everybody's different. Uh, everybody deals with anxieties and things in different ways. Um, but for me, um, and I actually did an article with ESPN and Sports Illustrated about three or four years ago, and it was it was centered around how basketball saved my life because in ways, basketball has always been the thing that I could fall back on, and it's always been the thing that I've been at most peace in the world. Whenever I'm on a basketball court playing in a basketball game, shooting basketball by myself, dribbling a basketball, It's like my peace. It's like I'm by myself with this ball and this rim, and I'd love to do this so much that everything else that's going on in, in the world or in my life or whatever the case may be, everything just disappears, and it's just me and basketball. Um, so, you know, I think basketball definitely helped carry me, and it was like my it was like my partner going through the whole journey of the OCD and the anxieties and the stresses and the, and the pressures of whatever I was going through. If I had that basketball and I had a goal and I could shoot, um, you know, I, I would just disappear and everything else in the world would, would go away. So um, I, I have always found basketball as an escape from the pressures, from the, the real world, from everything else. So it, it Basketball has never really been something that's added to my anxieties or my pressure or my, you know, obsessive thoughts. You know, it's always been a place that, for me at least, has has given me complete freedom to escape everything else in the world. Uh, how yeah. were there locker room environments? Uh, well, that's a, that's a whole different story. <laughs> you know, sometimes it's a little challenging in there. Um, <laughs> We all are curious about them. <laughs> yeah, sometimes it's a little challenging in there because, you know, guys are guys. And, yeah. you know, some guys don't take hygiene as serious as other guys do. Um, <laughs> so, you know, you, <laughs> you kind of have to, you know, sometimes duck and dodge certain guys based <laughs> on what they're doing in there. But... <laughs> I think now, you know, since I've been around it for so long, I've figured out my ways of being able to, you know, steer steer clear of any of the the guys who don't necessarily take hygiene as seriously as I do. So <laughs> it's definitely <laughs> been a journey in that and there too, but <laughs> I so, found a way to go through it. <laughs> uh, but but it is it is a it is a place that uh, definitely has its own unique moments i guess yeah <laughs> best way to describe it <laughs> <laughs> just i want to tap into a bit uh, the industry as a sport like what what do you think are the functions of sports in a society and what do sports add to people's lives well i think sports are are very important in in day-to-day -day life for more than just the athlete i think 
Um, for a specific example, I would say, you know, at least while COVID was going on in America, uh, well, it's still going on. Um, yeah. But when there was no sports going on, it felt like everybody was like you were just trapped inside. You had no escape. It was like you're watching a movie or you're watching the news or you're on Twitter or Instagram or, you know, it felt like everybody was kind of to themselves. Uh, but then as soon as they started playing basketball again, like when they opened up the bubble in the NBA, um, it kind of made things kind of feel somewhat normal again, you know, because mm-hmm. people had an escape. People had a an event that they could watch and see other people playing a game that they loved and it brings happiness to a bunch of other people. So I would say sports are very important for uh, society in general. And it's not just basketball, it's football, basketball, volleyball, handball, whatever you want to call it, you know, sports just kind of normalize things and, and bring happiness to people in ways that many other things can't because you can be a fan of a team. You can be a fan of a player. You can be a fan of a club. You can be a fan of, you know, a bunch of different things with, with sports. And I think it just is a way to bring people together and also have people enjoy seeing these talented humans go out there and do whatever they do. It's also built that you have that community feeling as well. Like if right. you love a player or a team, you like follow their life. It right. sometimes even gets a bit too intense when they're also yeah. getting in your private life. But yeah, definitely. It, it's definitely brings people together, community, um, joy, and also people relieve their stress. I mean, when they right. go to the matches, right? Right. Yeah, definitely. They, it, it, it's, like a, it's like an event, you know, and obviously now people can't go and watch the games in the stands because of COVID. But um, it's like a, I wouldn't call it a celebration, but, you know, it's just like a, yeah it's like it's just like an event where people with like-minded um loves of the game or love of a player or love of a club or love of whatever you know they just come to enjoy a moment and you know every game can be created into a certain moment in time where let's say the games that we play here in our home arena 16,000 people 16,000 people share that moment together for the rest of their life they could say i was there during this game on this day And these people are always going to be tied together, regardless if you spoke to each other or not. You were in that building that night when that game was performed. And I think that just, like you said, it creates a sense of community. It creates a sense of togetherness that um, a lot of it different can't things can't be bought with can't. money. It's a right. moment. Yeah, exactly, exactly. You can't you can't get those moments back, and no, um, those moments live on forever. So uh, I think that's one great thing about sports. And you also just recently uh, recovered from your injury. Some players, they face like really severe illnesses and they are not able to return to professional play. Do you feel the leagues prepare players for life after sports so they can transition? I think some, I think some parts of some leagues do a good job of preparing athletes for the post-basketball or post-whatever sports you play uh, life when you retire. Um, but I think that's something that leagues in general, regardless of the sport, can do a better job at because you see a mm-hmm. lot of players stop doing what they're doing, um, which is playing the sport, and they kind of spiral after that. They just like try to find something so to do. So many. 
Yeah, there's so many guys that like end up losing all their money or end up losing mm-hmm. their passion for things, so they just like end up in bad spaces doing the wrong things. Um, and I think that's just because you know a lot of these guys for their entire life they have had one goal in mind, and that's to become a professional athlete at whatever sport it is. And then once that goal is attained, it's like I did what I wanted to do, but most guys retire, you know, around 32 to 35 years old, and then you still have more than half of your life to live, and you're like, okay. Now what? And I don't think many people prepare for that um, while they're doing the sport that they love to do. So I would say that is something that, um, you know, should be done better for athletes uh, to prepare them for the afterlife of their careers. Because, you know, 35 is, is young, very young, especially in today's world. And you know, they, you still have a large part of your life that you need to live and need to find other hobbies or different work or whatever it is to consume your time because once basketball or soccer or baseball or football or whatever is over, it's over and it's not coming back. So, <laughs> you know, you got to kind of figure out what it is after that. Exactly. And I feel also that uh, I have friends that are a lot of football players and uh, they also struggle. I see that. But um, going back to your career, Shane, over the course of your professional career, you played like four NBA teams, if I'm correct, and a couple of EuroLeague teams. And now you're at the Turkish national team. (laughs) (laughs) What's the difference uh, between them? I mean, they're all very different uh, types of games, different types of play. Um, The NBA is, is very fast, very quick tempo. The best athletes in the world play in the NBA, so you can imagine, you know, guys that are two meters tall, jumping out the gym, you know, doing crazy athletic things. Um, But the NBA is more so entertainment. The NBA is all about entertainment and making money and, and, you know, just trying to create the best show. I think that's what the NBA is all about, while, you know, having a lot of talented players. Uh, I would say the EuroLeague is more about good basketball. Um, it's more about, you know, playing basketball the right way that it was made to be played. Team game, everybody shares the ball, everybody has a common goal in mind. Um, and it's a, it's a slower tempo, but I think the best thing about the EuroLeague is the fan support um, because it's very, very deep-rooted fan support. You know, these clubs, some of them have been around for, you know, 60, 70, 80 years, and, you know, they all have this deep deep rooted support that it's the culture that also you can't buy with money right yeah you can't exactly it's like you can buy an nba team and put it in the city and say oh this team is here and we have great athletes and we're going to create a good show for you and people will show up but here in europe it's like you have a club that has been around for so long and it's a culture it's like a way of life like people are that committed to it that pride that like that sense of pride to support is on a different level in Europe. And I think that's what makes the EuroLeague so great. Um, and it's very competitive. And then you have the national team games, which I just played in my first national team games this weekend. And those games are a completely different level because these games are, it's like, I don't know how to describe it, but it's like almost like you're at war. <laughs> because it's like <laughs> especially for the turkish national team <laughs> exactly exactly because it's like we're wearing you know turkey across our chest 
and this other country with those players from that country are wearing a different country across their chest. And it's like, it's not as literal as war, but it's like we're fighting for a, a country. Like we're representing a country. We're playing for, you know, all these people in this country. We're trying to represent them. So it's like literally a battle. Every single second you're on that court, it feels like I cannot mess up right now. I need to go as hard as I can. And I... If I get cut, if I break my nose, if I am bleeding after this game, I'm going to do whatever I can do to win this game for this country. And that is the most intense basketball that I think I've ever played in because that was a different level of like intensity and a different level. It's of, a heavy of jersey. Fight. It's a heavy jersey. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and I didn't I didn't know until I put it on, but <laughs> it was it was good and you know, I'm looking forward to continuing to play with the national team and hopefully uh come around February when we have some more national team games, there'll be able to be fans in the stands because I can only imagine um what it's like having fans there while playing in that jersey. Oh, I'm so. going to put pressure on you the next time I'm watching you there. <laughs> I'm going to be looking oh, at good. you like, "Shane, come on." <laughs> <laughs> sounds good bro sounds good can't uh, wait yeah man how do teams build unity and cohesion with the constant movement of players because you you're constantly uh, getting new transfers or someone yeah. gets injured i think that's it's it's difficult because like you said bringing in new players and changing players and coaches all the time it, it makes it hard to find that cohesion or find that chemistry um But I think, you know, you just have to be open-minded. You have to be able to adapt. You have to be able to, you know, welcome a new player onto the team or be open to whatever the team's mentality or whatever the team's strategies are if you're joining a new team. Uh, because at the end of the day, basketball at least is a, is a team sport. And one guy can go out there and can have a great game and score 50 points. But at the end of the day, If the rest of the team doesn't do well, you're going to probably lose that game. So um, basketball is all about team play, all about trying to uplift your teammates and make them better. And it's almost like a small family atmosphere. So when you have new transfers or new players that join the team or a new coach or whatever it is, it's just all about having everybody on the team be open-minded and be willing to buy into the same thing. Because like, Do you guys have tough talks between each other sometimes Yeah. Like when you don't yeah. get along? Do you yeah, think it's definitely. important to be open? Yeah, it's like it's like a family, you know, you fight with family, you fight with your your siblings, you fight with your cousins, yeah, you fight course. with your mom and dad sometimes, you know, it's it's like that just because you all love, you know, what you're doing, you all love each other and you all want the best for each other, but sometimes, you know, somebody's going to mess up and when somebody messes up, that person has to be able to, you know, sit there and listen to that criticism and the other people in the family have to be able to tell them what they're doing wrong and if, you know, there's going to be some back and forth there but at the end of the day if you all come to a certain agreement or a certain understanding and it helps you get better at the end of the day and it helps you grow towards something more positive then that's what it's all about so you know it's 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 kind of like that family atmosphere you've also been quoted uh, as saying that you view turkey turkey as more of your home than the u.s why is that and how do you define what is home i said that because The way that I've been accepted in this country, the way that, you know, the people have shown me love here, the way that people have literally anytime I've ever needed anything or I've, I've had a problem, you know, people are have been overly generous in, in lending a helping hand. Um, and 
you know, I grew up in America and I lived at home for 18 years and then I turned to college and then I turned into a pro and, you know, over there it's a very cutthroat, cutthroat league and, and a cutthroat place where it's like, all right, you got to kind of fend for yourself out here. And as a young guy becoming a pro athlete at 20 years old, I didn't really understand that. And it kind of like hit me in my face when I wasn't ready for it. And now when I landed here in Turkey, um, it was it was completely different. It was like everybody wanted me to succeed. Everybody wanted me to do well. Everybody was willing to do whatever they wanted or whatever they could do to help me get to a better place because it was just support, 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 support. And um, I really, really took to that. And it made me fall in love with the country. It made me fall in love with the people. And it really made this place feel like home. Like when I leave here, I'm sad. And when I'm flying in, I feel like excited to come back to my home. Um, and, you know, the language is, is the only thing that, <laughs> that kind of prevents it from being completely, you know, feeling like home. But um, I'm trying to learn a little bit of more, more Turkish. But um, everything else about it, man, is just, it's just been so good to me and uh, definitely a place where, I can see myself being for a long time, and if I don't end up here, then, you know, definitely visiting all the time because I definitely have created some deep relationships here, and not only with, you know, the the club, but with certain friendships here and certain areas and certain places that I will, for the rest of my life, want to bring my future family and uh, show them a place where I really kind of grew into being um, the man that I am. So it's definitely love here. That's an amazing answer, man. And I feel like Turkey has a lot to offer and uh, hospitality, the welcoming feeling. Um, also, like the thing that me and you were talking, um, I was born in Germany to Turkish right. parents. Yeah. You're you born in U.S. as an American that became a Turkish right. citizen. So and the national player. So yeah. there is I feel like also what we're doing with the team from Seoul is we're trying to keep this region together, right. uh, especially like the Middle East, so we can drive the street culture forward. Right. And I feel like that's what we were talking about, is like there's so much to do here. Exactly. You know, speaking from where I'm coming from, where I, I came from America that's very, very far away, I had no idea, you know, what Turkey or Istanbul had to offer until I got here. And then once I got here, I was like, this place is unbelievable. Like, why do more people not come here and speak about this place and visit here and, and you know, spend time here? Um, and a lot of my friends that have come and visited me since, every time they leave, they like, I have to come back. It is <laughs> yes. one of the most dopest places I've ever been. And I tell them, I tell people that all the time, and they're like, what about it? And I was like, it's just like a, a energy you get. You have to just come and see, like, feel the energy that you Take get Berlin. when you're here. Take London, take Dubai, smash right. them all together. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly, exactly. And good and food. Yeah, exactly. And it's a it's an unbelievable place, man. So like you said, a lot of untapped potential here, a lot of untold stories that need to be told. And uh, I'm glad to, you know, have met you. And hopefully Likewise. we can continue to push this, this culture forward and, and do some big things here. The possibilities are limitless, Shane, and I'm so happy that you were part of this. It's going to inspire, I hope, a lot of people. And um, what, is there anything you would love to say to the people here in this region? 
the most important thing I would like to say is just thank, thank you. You know, I'm very, very grateful um, for everybody that is, has been in my life since I've been here, making me feel comfortable. Um, just a, a random kid from, you know, America that came here to play basketball and everybody here has just been so friendly, so helpful, so generous, so, you know, just unbelievable as a human being, um, just lending me hands and helping me become who I need to become and giving me support and whatever it is, man, it's just so much love that's that I've I've received in this country and I uh, can only hope to give back half the love that I received here and um, that is definitely one of my goals is to is to give back as much as I can. So um, the most important thing I could say uh, a ten hundred million things, but the number one thing I would like to just say is thank you so much from the bottom of my heart for accepting me for who I am and uh, just giving me the love and support that that everybody has given me since I've been here because it means more than you know anybody could express in words for sure. Shane, thank you so much. It's been really nice to hear your story and also inspirational stories. And thank you for being part of the show. Well, yeah, thank you for having me, bro. Always, always good catching up. And, you know, hopefully we can continue to grow and, and build some special things here in the future. So thanks for having me, man. Thank you for listening to Homeroom with Benjamin Aydin and our guest today, Shane Larkin. Be sure to tune in to an all new episode next week. For more on our series, go to soul.digital. You can also follow us on Instagram by going to at souldxp and at Benjamin See you next time. You're listening to Soul Radio.